This is Minute 28 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am the improbably named Park Parkinson, your host, and with me today is Jody Doyle. G'day, mates. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Who is, I don't know, Irish? Uh, and Megan Sunday. Hello. Today's minute starts with Cher and Ty doing Buns of Steel and goes up to Josh's entrance into that conversation. I'm very glad that they're working out because I think a lot of times in movies, people, especially women, just tend to, oh, I never work out. And then they yet they look fantastic. But I, I like that, that they say, you know, you would have to do this every day. They don't take the Liz Lemon approach. Where exactly. To cry working out yet somehow clearly have a personal trainer. Exactly. It uh, sets the stage nicely for Cher's self-improvement um, mm-hmm. kick that she is on and her... Uh, her, her helping to improve uh, her little project, as she calls her. <laughs> so th- this this really starts out with they're chatting. Ty and Cher are are chatting uh, after their workout, at the end of their workout, and then they decide um, they also need to prove their minds. Which they don't really do. They just sort of briefly discuss and really badly, and then <laughs> then Josh comes in and um, well has been eavesdropping, and then uh, she goes off to talk with Josh. You know, Cher, Cher is good-hearted. It's just that I think one of the issues she has early on is that she wants to improve people's lives, but she can't imagine a better way to improve their lives than making their lives like hers. Mm. Yeah. So, obviously, Ty would be happier if she had friends, because I think that's true. She's new in school. But that yeah. also means that she has to dress like everyone else mm-hmm. and, you know, wear lots of makeup like everyone else. And, you know, it's not necessarily that she's mean-spirited or or nasty about it, really, it's just that she doesn't really have a very large worldview. Like Josh has already said, like, everything you do is ultimately for your own benefit. Sure is turning her into, like, a cool girl, but man, that Lodi's uh, hill just looks like, wait, so much more fun. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be so, I want to be so well off. I could do jazzers. I would not do jazzercise, but I could work out (laughs) in my living room with my friend because there'd be room for that. And then afterwards, I wouldn't even care if they were sitting there sweaty ass down on my nice couch. That's true. Like Ty does in this scene where like, I would be like, don't sit on the couch. You're all sweaty. (sighs) I enjoy that the, the you know they're, they've decided they have to read non-school books and they're both just like self-help books. Right. They're, they're just trying. It's very the period. Like so, the, the they're exercising when, they're, when we start out. They're exercising and they're doing buns of steel, and they mention um, aerobicizing as well, which is totally. Mid- I remember my mother in like, I think the eighties and nineties doing jazzercise. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah, totally like, and then buns of steel and. Whatever else, other the body parts master. of steel all came out. Right, yeah. <laughs> Suzanne Summer's thigh master came out not that long afterwards. And yeah, and their workout clothes are very 90s workout clothes, because like the 90s was when... I guess the 80s, they had skin-tight workout clothes, but they were like all neon colors. And yeah. the 90s was no longer unitards and leotards, but just... Um, well, Cher's wearing like a singlet, which props to I, her for getting in and out of that, because I'd be, I'd be stuck. I'd be like, well, this is my workout. So yeah, and then they, yeah, they bring up their books. Cher's book is Fit or Fat, and then uh, Ty's book is Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Everybody laughs about, but nobody's ever read, ever. I'm gonna. Yeah. I've read passages. 
Okay, it is yeah. as terrible as you might think. Uh, I, this is just a rel- This What this reminded me of was, oh man, that piece of has been out there for over 20 years. Well, I also think it's interesting that that would be the book that Ty would choose, especially considering that she's kind of the one who almost has the best view of relationships. Like, I don't want to go too far ahead, but I mean, other than, I mean, like, you know, Dion and Murray are in a relationship. But I mean, Ty likes a boy and is kind of like, hey, I would like to pursue that boy. Except that when she's so easily convinced that she's in love with Elton that she starts collecting every piece of Elton memorabilia that he's ever touched. So I wouldn't call that a healthy view of relationships. Well, I didn't mean I didn't mean Elton. I was trying not to go too far ahead. Say Ty has the right instincts, but she's really easily led. She does have the stay off the drugs message, which Ty could probably use because she's <laughs> <laughs> she seems to be way into the uh, the old drugs. Does the um that young tie. The one thing that I think is interesting with, with this movie compared to some other media that also has the sort of like something, I was thinking of something like gossip girl, which was very much like, you know, the dramas of, of teens on the upper West side, very rich, still the same sort of like, you know, you watch it and everyone's got fabulous clothes and no curfews, but there's a lot more pressure there for college. Like under there's an undercurrent in a lot of, of early episodes of Gossip Girl where they're still partying, but they're still all trying to go to Yale. And that, mm-hmm. I know they're all, uh, I don't know if they're, they're sophomores or juniors in Clueless, but no one's really thinking about that. And so there's, you know, sh- we have to improve our minds, but they're reading, you know, self-help books. No one's going like, well, I have to read, I have to read all these, these this poetry because I have exams or something. It's just their non-school books are fit or fat. Shares whole theory on learning and in ac- and academia um her thesis as it were would probably be that you don't instead of studying she actually works harder <coughs> to um argue her way out of yeah. into yeah. into getting good marks rather than studying and she works actually very hard to get good marks but not via the tradi- traditional academic route. It probably is actually the kind of thing Ty needs because if Ty were only hanging out with the other kids I don't know if she'd have a chance at going to college. Like, the kids, the Lodies who, like, show up to class once in a while and say (laughs) something funny and stupid. But, you know, Travis has 38 absences in that class. (laughs) He's not, he's not doing well. I will also say that I, I think at a certain point in high school, I don't know how often you are actually thinking about college. Like, your parents would really like you to be. Your teachers would like you to be. But I think even if you know, oh, I want to go to college... There are definitely times where you're like, but I don't have to think about college right now. I would like to, I, I would let, I wish there was more of her discussing what she, her idea of doing something good for humanity or the world would be. So we get into sort of like what they're working on and, and she brings up the, the non-school books, not just for improving their minds for like reading things, but she says, we want to work on your accent and your vocabulary, oh, yeah. yes. which is the one spot I have not, I have Shame to say, I still have not read Emma, but uh, you two haven't yet. No, so it feels bad. But uh, so sorry, sorry if you listen to this podcast looking for uh, Emma comparisons. This is going to be your week of not hearing much about Emma. But uh, so I don't know if this is from Emma or not. But that one spot, we're talking about working on accent and vocabulary, reminded me a little bit of Pygmalion. Uh, yeah, and 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 My Fair Lady, the musical version. Um, 
just where she's she is critiquing the way that she speaks and not just her delivery of information, but I mean like her accent mm-hmm. specifically, um, which is kind of a you know cute but but lower class. I would love she to talk like Eliza Doolittle. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a, a again a real um, condescending classist hmm. you know side to to share in the way she talks about the Valley Kids. This whole movie is sort of a chance to poke at the upper class and like basically talk about how clueless they are, like <laughs> and how sh- how sh- how sheltered they are. So I think that's where where the comedy of this movie comes in. They sort of get both like this, and this is one of those scenes. Totally, Jody, I think you're right. This is one of those scenes where we are making fun of the upper class hmm. people. Yeah, kind of the. I mean, they take plenty of pot shots at at middle and lower class folk too, because really, our I say our because I'm totally lower middle class, hmm. and uh, or and our representative is definitely Thai. Mm. And and Ty comes across as kind of a buffoon mm. in this scene. You know, mm-hmm. she she's complaining about you know my buns don't feel nothing like steel, which is <laughs> such a yeah. If it, very, you know, just reading literal. that, if that were not, if I didn't know her accent was. I'd be like, that sounds like a Chicago thing, like a, like a like a Midwestern response. Spor- I guess she knows what sporadically means, but. Yeah, right. how do you know if we're doing it sporadically? She doesn't know sporadically. Everybody <laughs> no, knows sporadically yeah, means. Yeah. No idea what sporadically means. <laughs> I mean, and that's, you know, one of the interesting things about the movie is that, you know, the recurring thing that they all talk like grown-ups, which is, you know, very, you know, it's 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 interesting and it's fun, but it's also what do you, you know, you're kind of looking at and you're like, aw. Because, I mean, yeah, they all have very good vocabularies. You know, Murray has a speech earlier about when he calls Dion woman. And yet you're still like, uh-huh. Yeah. Thanks, teens. You know, like... <laughs> so, I, we're, I, we're kind of coming to, towards the... A little bit of the end of what to talk about. Before we, we left the podcast, though, I wanted to ask... This is our first time with the three of us talking. What do you remember about Clueless, like, the first time you saw it? When did you first come across this movie? It was a huge thing when, I, when it came out, when I was a teenager. Because I was, I think, 14 when this movie came out. And I didn't see it in theaters. Uh, I had to wait to rent it. But everything was about Clueless. Like, all the magazines, it was just, you know, fashion layouts. And here's here's some pictures of Paul Rudd you can put on your wall. And, you Ooh, know, Paul Rudd's entrance, really, yeah, was. Yeah. And we're grateful for it every day. But, <laughs> like, it was it was everywhere. So even before I, I saw the movie, I knew, I knew all about it. You know, I was mm-hmm. just like, well, I have to see this. And it was definitely... I wouldn't say that, I mean... I did not see a lot of inspiration, like, really applied to my everyday. Like, no one at my school started dressing like that or anything like that. But it was that one really of those expensive. Things, yeah. <laughs> no one is coming to school in thigh highs. But, you know, just seeing that was just so, like, this is so cool. And as a 14-year-old watching it, there was a certain element of, wow, they really do talk like grown-ups. Like, that's amazing. And yeah. I, was, I, always, I was always a big reader. And so I always had sort of a larger vocabulary. And so it was kind of nice to be like, look, these are, are teenagers in a movie and, yeah. and they know what big words are. And I don't, that's kind of cool. But when I finally saw it, I just thought it was the greatest movie. I mean, it was funny. The music was really cool. Um, they talk about sex in it. <laughs> I mean, 
And, oh, and, our, and we, we flat out, like, we know who is a virgin and who is exactly. not. Exactly, and that was just and like, And we talk oh about why, and why that is important and why it isn't important. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the portrayal of relationships where that could be a consideration, which was I, still at the time for me something that was no one I knew dated on that kind of level. So it was sort of a, like, huh. I was, yeah, 17 when this came out. And I also remember it being a big deal. I would have probably waited a couple of years, and I think I, before I saw it out on video, um, and I, th- I think I saw it when I was at university. I remember liking it. I remember thinking, like, wow, this is so cool. Like, I probably would have related with the Lodi set because I was trying to be a skater, a skateboarder, even though because it was the 90s, of course, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had long long shorts and... Went out, tried to skateboard, was very, very bad at it. Yeah, I liked it. I, I, I remember thinking it was deeper than what it actually turns out to be watching it now. Like, the, the story in it really, there's virtually no conflict. Watching it now, um, the thing that stands out is all the music. Like, that music is all so iconic to me. And, um, oh, yeah. Just, just coming yeah. back, like, that was my sort of university years and that's what we yeah, I remember hearing on the radio a lot and all the Radiohead and Jill Sabule and Supergrass and everything yeah it's the 90s mm-hmm. I don't think I didn't I, never, I didn't really sing uh, I want to be a supermodel but um, <laughs> there were definitely other songs that were immediately and you realize yeah. that this, like, this music's all 20 years old now and that you're old people now. I also really loved how the clothes are also trendy, but they're also very odd. Like, um, I know part of it was, I think they were, I don't know how much they were pulling from actual fashion at the time in Los Angeles, because, I mean, I didn't live like anywhere near Los Angeles. Dash wears. But they take so many interesting risks. I feel like there's just a lot of very odd, I mean, Amber is just in her own world with, with what she's putting on. And how there, there's definitely, like, rules. Like, you know, Ty has to have a certain, you know, her hair has to change color, and she can't have this, she can't have that. But it's still, when you look at it, they're not dressed identically. They all have mm. a very specific style, and it's like they're... And it was just... I always thought that that was really fun, because it wasn't just everybody's in... I can't even think of what would have been hip at the time. Not everyone's in a baby doll dress, although there are plenty. Yeah. But... You know, there is a there is a Catholic schoolgirl thing that yes. uh, it shows up in a few scenes. But we were all wearing flannel, so I was just like, "This is amazing!" They're all wearing bright I colors. Was, I didn't know we were still allowed to do I that. I was going to say, uh, Travis and the Lodies <laughs> are the ones who are really yeah. dressed in the period. No one's wearing the, a floral uh, Laura Ashley dress with a flannel. I don't know how to deal with this. The other the other teens look like they're and the same. I guess it was for the workout stuff too. They look like they're taking chances, but the chances that a rich 16-year-old yeah. uh, girl in L.A. would be, t- at the time, like it like it fits, and it's not, like, yeah, like, outlandish. It's not like, they're not bjorking it up. They don't look... <laughs> Amber has a look few freaky moments. for their time. What's Dion's boyfriend's name, the Scrubs guy? Murray. Scrubs, Scrubsy McScrubs face? Um, yeah, Murray. <laughs> um, he's yeah, got Murray. That, that iconic baggy jinkos with the... With that's like barely staying on. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's sort of that was. Yes, where he has to have like one hand on his pants to, every to, minute to keep them from falling down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All <laughs> the guys' outfits are so enormous. I kind of had forgotten yeah. how big men's clothes were until I was. Reminded. 
You didn't buy a jacket that couldn't have fit on yeah. someone twice your size. Josh yeah. is the only one wearing fitted clothes. There's a weird it's a weird line at the end of our minute where Josh walks in and Josh has been just as I don't, we haven't said this but I don't think but to be clear Josh walks in actually halfway through or actually less than half the minute. He walks in uh, just as Cher is saying they need to work on her accent and vocabulary and before they take the books out. Josh walks in sees them and kind of steps back and just eavesdrops and you get, get the sense that he this is the first time I thought oh maybe he kind of likes Cher. Yeah. Uh, he's not watching her like a brother. He's watching her like he's kind of kind of interested. And then at the when he does show himself right when Cher says we should do something for mankind or the planet for a couple of hours. Oh, yeah. Then Josh walks in and says, hi, Brainiac, and makes his obligatory dig at Cher. And Cher says, oh, the dreaded X. Ty, this is Josh. Now, mm. I'm assuming she means ex-stepbrother is what he is. That's... Her father's ex, yeah. That's weird. Yeah, or, yeah but it really... That is the sort of thing you wouldn't say unless Ty knew everything about her life. Because it's such an easily misunderstood phrase. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised Ty doesn't go, you used to date? Yeah. yeah. Or, or ask her that later, but that, like, that doesn't happen. Except that Ty, Ty is not very astute. Something that I think she's assuming Ty would understand because, well, this is obviously not only indicative of, you know, upper class. I think the idea that her father has gone through so many ex-wives, you know, probably if she was saying this to Dion or to Amber or someone, they would just be like, oh, like one of your dad's ex's kids, you know, because... Right, right, right. But you you get the impression that wouldn't be Ty's first idea because maybe, you know, she's supposed to... her parents are still together, or, you know, they've only been divorced once. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys would like to say about uh, Minute 28? I think I'm cooked. Yeah. Uh, do you guys, before we go, do you guys have anything you would like to plug? I make art out of scrap metal. You can find my stuff uh, at The Scrappy Sculptor on Facebook. And, um, yeah, I just get all this scrap metal and rubbish that's lying around and weld it together and turn it into stuff. You should go check it out and like my page. Megan, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, I have a blog that is on hiatus right now, but you could go read the archives where I recap V.C. Andrews novels. Uh, and Ooh. that is at trappedintheattic.wordpress.com. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I, I do not have anything uh, to plug myself unless you're a Purdue student and would like to tie up for a Communications 114, where I will be teaching next semester. <laughs> now, I don't have any new media to could talk you, about. Could you imagine <laughs> if one of your students comes up to you and goes, oh, I heard you on that podcast and I signed up? Ah, well, automatic A. <laughs> yeah. <sure>. Automatic A. <laughs> You've listened to, my, all of, you listen to me on podcasts. Uh, yeah. Uh, I Hopefully, uh, sometime coming out, uh, we'll have... I'm working on a, a project, but it's it's very nascent, and so I don't talk about it yet. But I will plug it here uh, if if it happens. Well, thank you very much, and uh, join us again for our next minute.
Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast about Clueless. It is produced and edited by Darren Husted, executive produced and hosted by Park Parkinson, with my guests Jody Doyle and Megan Sunday. Follow us on Facebook at As If the Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If underscore podcast. Follow us on Instagram at As If Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Shout Engine, or the podcasting app of your choice. Please rate and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.